0: Today's program has been brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage-breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit HeritageFoodsUSA.com.
1: I'm Linda Palacio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Greetings and welcome to Animal Instinct here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host Celia Kutcher, also known as the Food Healer, and I'm super excited about today's show. We're talking to Susan Bass of Big Cat Rescue, one of the world's largest accredited sanctuaries for exotic cats. Big Cat Rescue is a leading advocate in ending the abuse of captive big cats and saving wild cats from extinction. They are home to about a hundred lions, tigers, bobcats, cougars, servals, and other species. The sanctuary is located in Tampa, Florida, and it's open to the public, so you can go visit. If you're a fan of watching videos, Big Cat Rescue has an incredibly popular YouTube page with 85 million views so far. Their channel is consistently ranked as one of the most watched nonprofit channels in the world. Find them at www.bigcattv.com. Susan Bass has been Director of Public Relations at Big Cat Rescue since 2011. Her primary role is expanding the reach of the sanctuary's advocacy work and developing strategies and initiatives to bring the issues of big cats in captivity and in the wild to the forefront of the public and media. Hey Susan, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for speaking to us. I have a million questions about what you guys do, and I'm so excited to talk to you. So I would just want to get started. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. Fire away. All right. So first question, what kind of cats does your rescue have, and are they wild or pets, sir?
2: Well, we have big cats, which are everything, as you said in the intro, from lions and tigers all the way down to little tiny cats that you've maybe never even heard of, such as sand cats or joffrey cats. All of our cats are wild. Whether they've been pets or not, you can never tame a wild cat, truly. Mm -hmm. So all of our cats are wild, and we treat them with the respect and dignity that
1: wild cats deserve. Nice. And how did this rescue get created?
2: It's a very interesting story, and if um, people want even more information, it's all about our evolution, is on our website, Mm bigcatrescue.org. But um, our founder and CEO, Carol Baskin, who's still um, very much involved with the sanctuary, started in 1992, not so much to start a sanctuary, but she and her first husband had about 45 acres of land in Tampa that they wanted to greenbelt, so they went to an animal auction to purchase llamas to keep on the land and, you know, sort of, you know, organic lawnmowers. Yeah, really. (laughs) So as they were walking in, they saw a man coming out of the auction who had just purchased a bobcat. And she was looking concerned, and um, actually, the man turned out to be a taxidermist. Oh. So you can kind of read between the lines that uh, his plans for, for that bobcat. Oh. Yes. Uh, Carol was so upset about this that when she saw another man walking into the auction with a baby bobcat, she feared that this bobcat would have the same fate and possibly um, be purchased by a taxidermist. Mm -hmm. So she and her husband made sure they were the highest bidder, and that is how she sort of started out with with her first
1: wildcat. Wow. Yes. And And so, like, how was it discovered that there was a need for this?
2: Well, again, it it took um, an evolution of thought. When Carol first got the bobcat, of course, she didn't know how to take care of a bobcat. And so the people that she turned to were those that already owned Mm wildcats, for for advice. And they told her a number of things, such as, oh, these make great pets. This is a way to conserve animals that are diminishing in the wild, Mm. Um, you know, everything like that. And, uh, you know, they they bond to people. If they're hand-raised, you can tame them, all these types of information, which turned out to be false mm. so um the second part of the story is that with the with bobcats especially they will bond to one person so the very first bobcat bonded to carol but not to her husband mm-hmm. so he decided well i want my own bobcat to love me. <laughs> 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 kind of like you know somebody you have a dog in your family and you know the dog loves one person more than the other you're like well i want a new, another dog totally Right, very, very similar in that nature. <laughs> and if you think about 1992, this was really pre-internet. Yeah. So they managed to do some research and find out that there was a place in Minnesota, very, very far from Florida, yeah. mind you, Minnesota, that sold bobcats and lynx uh, kittens as pets. So she and her first husband drove all the way up to Minnesota to check out um, what the bobcats were. And when they got there, they realized they had unwittingly stumbled upon a fur farm. Oh. Oh, my God. Very similar to a puppy mill, if you will, for lynx and bobcats. Wow. And Carol looked at the owner and said, wow, you know, you have so many cats and kittens here. I I can't believe there's this much call for people to have these wild cats as pets. And he looked at her and said something to the effect of, oh, I'll just, you know, sell a few of them as pets. The rest of them, when they're a year old, they will become fur coats. Wow. Wow. So, again, Carol looked at her husband horrified, being the, obviously, cat lover that she is. Yeah. And she and her husband that day bought all 56 Bobcat and Lynx kittens oh that they had. Oh, <laughs> Yes.
1: Go, Carol. That's, all of them, wow. And brought
2: them home. I mean, they were like three and four weeks old at the time, so they were all tiny, and they got like every container they could find along with Carol's daughter, and the three of them, you know, literally all the way home and for the next <laughs> few months had to bottle feed them every three weeks. Wow. Yes, and Carol also made sure that the man um, said he would no longer purchase more. Wow. Because that's one thing that we've found with, um, with people that ask us to take these cats off of their hands, mm-hmm. whether they're pets or they just no longer want them for various reasons, is that a lot of times they'll turn around and they'll go get another one. Yeah. So we were like, she was like, you know, even, even back then saying, okay, you know, I will take these kittens off your hands, but please, you know, never get any more. Wow. And so, uh, and so he agreed. Wow! So when she and her first husband brought the cats back, um, again she was talking to people who bred them and said, "Oh, this is really profitable, and they make it great pets." La la la. So she started to um, sell them to people she knew, mm-hmm. and she always told the people though, if it ever comes a time where you no longer want this bobcat, I will take it back because she could still have visions in her head of that auction where she saw. The, the baby bobcat you know yeah. being um, you know killed outside the auctioneer place so um, at first they were fine bobcats just like you know pretty much any other animal they're they're young they're adolescent they're manageable. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, can be friendly, but then once they're about a year or two old, they come into, you know, adulthood, and whether they are neutered or spayed or not, they uh, mark their territory every day, repeatedly. Um, You know, they do not make good pets, was what she quickly came around to the realization of. Yeah. And so sure enough, after about a year or two, everybody practically that she had, um, you know, sold these bobcat and lynx kittens to all brought them back. Here you go. Oh, I wow. cannot take care of it. It's literally eating the wallpaper off my wall, yeah, you yeah. know, swinging from my ceiling fans, <laughs> you know, because these cats can jump. They're, yeah. they're wild animals. So the, the um, Sanctuary and Carol pretty much done, uh, you know, a 180 from thinking, okay, these make good pets and, uh, you know, they can be bred for conservation to realizing that there's absolutely zero justification to breed a wild animal for a lifetime in a cage, basically a jail
1: cell. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And so where do you guys get your cats from?
2: We get them from a number of sources. Some of them we have are retired circus performers. A lot of them have been former pets that either, you know, every every cat has a different story. Yeah. We actually have an, an app if anyone's interested, and you can read and hear um, the audio version of every cat's story, which is pretty interesting. It That's gives amazing. you know their birthday, when we rescued them, the circumstances of their rescue. Sometimes it's as simple as two people that have a uh, serval, which is a small African uh, cat mm-hmm. that kind of looks like a mini leopard, so people think, ooh, this is cool, this would be a great pet. Yeah. Well, it doesn't make a good pet, but they might get to get divorced or they're moving or, you know, in, within the United States, there are a patchwork of, quill, uh, patchwork of state laws. Mm-hmm. Some laws are very strict. They say you cannot own certain types of cats in a certain state. Some states have absolutely no laws. And then there's a, a whole variety of, of other circumstances. Wow. We also get a lot of our cats from, um, you know, we save them from being turned into fur coats, similar mm. to the story I just mentioned with, from Minnesota, um, as well as we've had a few uh, cats, primarily bobcats and also some cougar cubs that hunters had shot their parents or mother. And, um, mm. you know, the cubs were orphaned, and so we, we took them in. Wow. So really every single case is a different story.
1: And do most of the cats that you have, like when you get them, are they people calling you and contacting you for help? Or do you ever have to go in and, you know, like do midnight runs and rescue things like that?
2: Right. It, that also depends, too. We do get calls directly from people. And um, as I alluded to earlier, if we take a pet from someone, we do have them sign a contract saying they won't turn around and go buy another exotic cat that they will no longer own them. But these days, it's much more common for us to be involved with other national and international rescue groups like the International Fund for Animal Welfare Mm -hmm. or the Humane Society of the United States. Um, You know, they've gotten word from, you know, a local sheriff or other, maybe USDA or the the Fish and Wildlife for a certain state Mm -hmm. that they're going in and um, confiscating some cats. For example... Last May, May of 2013, we were brought into a scenario of an owner who had a number of cats, from leopards and lions down to bobcats, and um, he was in Kansas, Atchison County, Kansas, which is very rural. Uh, the man had um, built some tiny, you know, chain-link cages, put all his animals there, and then pretty much walked away. Oh, my God. Left them to, to die. Hmm. Thank God, Atchison County, Kansas, has an amazing sheriff who stepped in with a kind heart and contacted various agencies. Uh, I think HSUS was the lead on that. Um, And everyone scrambles then. Okay, we've got six lions, we've got seven tigers, and, you know, for example... Three uh, three bobcats yeah who who has space, who of you sanctuaries around the country have space, have the wherewithal that you can come get them, and also the financial resources to take care of them for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. it's very expensive to take on a cat, for example, our large cats like lion and lions and tigers, with the excellent nutrition that we give them, as well as the vet care yeah. they require cost us about ten thousand dollars a cat. Per year. Wow. So if we rescue a 10 year old tiger who in captivity might live another 10 years, that's a $100,000 financial commitment that we're taking on by rescuing one cat. Wow. Yes, yes. So um, back to Atchison County, Kansas, just to finish up that little story, yeah. we went there and we took back, um, you know, literally we get in our truck, we have transport cages, we drive 24 hours. When I say we, you know, I'm not one of the rescuers, but we have the trained keepers and mm-hmm. our master keepers who go, about three or four. We also take uh, usually one of our volunteer vets with us so that we can on site quickly check the cats out and see how they are doing. In yeah. in the case of these Kansas cats, they were starving to death and mm. living um, you know, in tiny dilapidated cages mm. pretty much in their own feces. Mm. So we tried to, you know, quickly get them and and one thing it was just In a way, you know, a good thing for us Is that they quickly run to us When we lay down food and jump in our cages Let me get the heck out of here, you know So we brought home um, A number of cats that day And the the first owner, for all of his faults, obviously had some sense of humor because he'd named them all after Gilligan's Island character. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we now have the skipper, and we have Gilligan, and we have uh, Lovey and Thurston Howell III, awesome. who were buddies, and they are, you know, together, just like in the show we have everybody but the professor i'm not sure what happened to the professor so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i love it well susan we have to take a one minute break for station identification but hang on and we'll be right back
0: Listening to Philip and Lloyd. Keep on moving. We gotta keep on moving. In 2001, Heritage Foods USA has sold pasture-raised, antibiotic-free heritage meats to restaurants and homes around the country. Our farmers raise their animals with care using traditional methods, guaranteed to produce the very best-tasting meat. Our pork breeds include Berkshire, Red Wattle, Duroc, Gloucester Old Spot, Large Black, and Tamworth, and our beef comes from Piedmontese, Angus, Akiyushi, Belgian Blue, Highland, Simmental, and Belted Galloway cattle. We also carry a rotation of 24 rare breeds of heritage chicken, seasonal specialties like lamb, goat, geese, and of course, heritage turkeys. Visit us online at www.heritagefoodsusa.com or give us a call at 718-389-0985 to place your order today. Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets, and you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
1: And we are back. I am talking to Susan Bass of Big Cat Rescue. Susan, I have a question for you. How many big cats do you think there are in the U.S. at this point?
2: Amazingly enough, no one knows. Wow. No one. No governmental agency, not the USDA, not the Wildlife Service. No one knows. We estimate, and again, you can see estimates anywhere from 5,000 to 20,000 of these big cats are living in people's backyards as pets. Holy
1: cow! I mean, it's like, you know, it's funny, because I've worked on farms, I've had horses, I've worked with dogs and cats and vets and exotic animals, but like, you know, normal animals. I mean, I can't imagine how incredibly dangerous it would be to have a lion in your backyard, you know, and like, I just don't even understand the mentality to think that this would be a good idea.
2: Right, right. Um, there are certain people, we believe, that think that, um, you know, it's cool to have something different. They don't want the run-of-the-mill. If I tell you, hey, Celia, if you want to come over to my house for dinner tomorrow night, I'll introduce you to my pet lion, you, of course, are going to have a reaction like, you're lion, yeah. you know? And a lot of people also, they'll be like, um, you know, well, you know, I have a special bond with this lion, but it would be dangerous for you to have a lion. Totally, They want to sort of (laughs) feel special about it. No,
1: totally. That's what I kind of feel is like that a lot of the people that have these, like that have wild animals as pets, somehow believe that you know it's this born free bond or you know this movie moment. And it's I had a friend when I was growing up that rescued a baby raccoon, and the thing became her best friend, and it would sit on her shoulder on a leash, and it would come to high school with her and all this, and it hit puberty, and one day it was sitting on her shoulder and attacked her, like. I mean, not to be believed. She wound up with multiple stitches. I mean, she was messed up. You know, but it's like, it's not tame. Just because you bottle fed it doesn't mean that this is now a domestic animal. And that's the part that really scares me, because I think people just think that, you know, oh, well, if I love it. It'll love me too. But instinct runs deep.
2: Right. That's very true. These big cats, they are hardwired, their instincts to go after, you know, prey. So... Someone, you know, there are a few people you can see videos on, you know, the Internet these days, and then you see, like, a grown man, like, hugging a lion. You're like, wow, that is so cool. How does he get to do that? Well, he might be doing that now, but at some point... That lion could very well turn on him. You just never know. They've got triggers inside them that, you know, can never be completely, completely tamed. Mm -hmm. Um, As a sanctuary, Big Cat Rescue, we are very much against, you know, people owning these cats and thinking that they make great pets. In fact, we are, you know, instrumental in trying to get federal legislation passed right now, which is pending in both the House and the Senate, called the Big Cats. Public Safety Protection Act, and that would actually stop people, you know, phase out people from owning these cats and keeping them in backyards outside of a a few certain exemptions, such as AZA-accredited zoos and accredited sanctuaries such as ourselves.
1: And so how is that all going in terms of litigation? Is it coming through, or...?
2: Uh, It's not so much litigation; it's getting the uh, the House and the Senate to pass pass the bill, and Mm -hmm. then it will become a law. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing really about how bills became laws, you know, since maybe my sixth grade ethics class or something. Yeah, it (laughs) wasn't for all this, but it really is very interesting um, on both the House and the Senate side that bill is introduced, and then you try to get co sponsors. So with the House of Representatives, because there are districts within states, there are over 500 members of the House of Representatives, Mm -hmm. whereas there are only 100 senators because each state has two, period. Mm -hmm. So we are doing really well on the House of Representatives side. I think we are up about 120 uh, co-sponsors right now, and a co-sponsor basically means when the bill comes before... Um, the Congress to pass, you're kind of saying, I support this bill, and it's very likely I will vote for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm the House Rep for that area. But we're always looking for people to contact their U.S. senators and their House representatives and say, hey, you know, did you know about this bill? This is important to me. Um, when you were talking earlier about how scary it is to think someone owns a lion, I actually think it's scarier to think Maybe someone three doors down from me owns a lion, and I don't know it. Seriously. For example, here in Florida, we have hurricanes. In the Midwest, they have tornadoes. And if you've got somebody living down the street from you and they've got a lion in a, you know, ramshackle cage as it is and, uh, and a tidal wave, you know, if it's on the water, an earthquake, anything like that, Mother Nature comes through and that lion is suddenly out and about walking through the neighborhood. Oh, my God. It's It's very scary. And it's also it's a huge waste of resources for first responders. Yeah. We have one um, lioness, her name is Nikita, and she came from a crack house in Tennessee. Oh, my God. So imagine the, you know, officers when they showed up to deal wow. with the drug dealers in the house and wow. they came face-to-face with a full-grown lion. Wow. You know, it's it's very scary on, the, on, on their part. So there's a number of reasons that we believe it really makes no sense for, you know, people off the street, the general public, with, you know, very little training on how to take care of these animals, and especially the safety issues to own them as, as pets.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could only imagine that, you know, if you have, like, a small child or a dog or a cat, you know, and you've got this wild cat in your backyard, I mean, anything small is going to be toast. Right. So it's kind of, it just, it amazes me that someone would think this is a good idea. But... It's true. <laughs> I live in Brooklyn, and I have an apartment, so it would never work, you know? <laughs> But it is, I'm fascinated that someone would look at a tiger and be like, you know what? I want one of those. This is a great idea.
2: Right, right. And- well Part of that um, reasoning is propagated because you can go to state fairs, county fairs, sometimes the malls. Even um, some exhibitors will set up in strip center parking lots, and I'm talking all around the country. And you, for 10 15 $20, they have baby cubs for people to pet and have a picture taken with. So if you're, you know, there is literally nothing cuter in the world than a two- or three-month-old lion or tiger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They are beyond ridiculous. And if you have the chance to get your picture taken, you think, wow, this is so great. What You know, what what could hurt? What could it hurt? And they're so cute. Gosh, I wish I had one as a pet. Sure. But what people don't realize is that they don't stay little very long. Yeah. By the time they're three, four months old, they're already very dangerous and, you know, have the teeth and the claws and just continue to grow. And the caging, the, you know, the food, the medical care, you can't go on vacation. You can't call someone up and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go on a cruise for a week. Would you (laughs) mind watching my lion for me?
1: Really? Just call your pet sitter. No problem.
2: (laughs) Right, right. So there are a number of exhibitors all over this country, that continually breed these cubs for lifetimes in a cage, uh, just to make money off them when they're really little. Yeah, and that's sad because they can only use them as photo props in these kind of you know pet cub petting schemes, as we refer to them, mm-hmm. till they're about three months old. Then they're too old. And as I was mentioning earlier, a captive lion or tiger can live well into his twenties.
1: Yeah,
2: so. They're money makers for three months. Then they're a huge liability for twenty years. Wow!
1: Wow! Actually, you know, it's funny because you were brought this up because right before the interview, I found out that a popular website by the name of Tinder—it's a dating site—has this thing now where people's um, portraits or their their photos on the page, everybody's posing with a tiger. Yes. And I don't—I don't know. Do you know what this is about?
2: It's again about appearing special, different yeah. and cool. Yeah. There are a couple other sites too. Okay, Cupid, I believe is another one. And it's mainly um the the males on these sites, they decide if the women are, you know, scrolling through looking to see who they might be interested in. It it stops it stops your, you know, scrolling and catches your attention if you see a guy smiling and he's like leaning against a full-grown tiger or holding a tiger cub. Yeah, that's true. Right. But now, from what I understand, it's become so prevalent, something like 5-10% of all of these profile pictures on these sites for the men are holding these cubs. The uh, The state of New York actually has just been the very first state within the last month, maybe even less time than that, to pass a law saying no more tiger selfies.
1: Yay! All right, New York. Yay,
2: Yay, New York. (laughs) Wow.
1: I mean, it's so funny because, I mean, I hadn't heard anything about that, and... Um, literally found out five minutes before we started talking, and it was like, what is this about? But you're right. I mean, it's like dangerous, sexy man because he's got a tiger. You know, it's the whole Tarzan fantasy, I guess.
2: Right, exactly, exactly. I, you know, I'm not just your average guy that's going to take you to a movie. You know, I've, you know, not that they own these cats generally, but again, there are a lot of exhibitors making money by you know charging these guys to have these pictures taken. And that doesn't just happen here in the United States as well. Mm. There are a number of places in other states like South Africa yeah Mexico Thailand Come to mind They are probably The most uh, Notorious If you will For having um, You know People Petting cubs Touching adult tigers um, There is a place Called The um, Tiger Temple In Thailand mm-hmm. A lot of teas Right there Yeah really And uh, uh, You know It's actually run by monks So you think Oh my gosh You know Monks How, how This must be Absolutely wonderful Yeah But there are A number of reports That the Animals are they're so docile they're not going to bite anyone because they're heavily drugged
1: Oh, okay and
2: uh it's 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 a pretty sad route if you just you know go google it Tiger temple. Tigers, drugs, and mm-hmm. a lot of things will, will pop up. So wow. you see a lot of them on Tinder, you know, leaning against an adult tiger, and you're like, wow, where is that happening? Yeah.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah, I've seen something about the monks before and, like, just saw it very quickly and was like, wow, that's amazing, and then just kept going. But, yeah, I mean, it was, I saw a picture of, like, a small child lying on top of a tiger, and it was like, this is just not, like, something's not being told here. <laughs> it's like there's right. no way that a cat would allow someone just to lie on top of it. So, all right, well, let's get back to the sanctuary. So, when you guys rescue a group of cats together, do they remain together at Big Cat Rescue? They
2: generally do. Again, like I said, every every situation is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But when we rescue cats together who appear to be getting along well, we do try to keep them together. If they have not been uh spayed or neutered, for example, if it was you know a boy and a girl cat together and the original owners were trying to breed them, mm-hmm. then we would immediately separate them and have them um, neutered. Mm-hmm. One example comes to mind is we have kind of fan favorites, if you will. Um, it's a male lion named Cameron and a white tiger female named Zabu. Mm. And, of course, in the wild, you would never see... Well, you wouldn't see a white tiger in the first place. Yeah. But you wouldn't certainly wouldn't see a tiger and a lion being best friends and living together. But the owners who had them as cubs up in New England were to raising them together so they would be familiar with each other, and they hence did become very best friends, but they were going to try to breed them to have white liger cubs. Mm. Again, just another step. You know, yeah. having a tiger for a pet is one thing. Having a liger is even more odd and different, and makes me special and unique because I have this. Totally. So we don't think that um, they did produce any cubs. But of course, as soon as we got Cameron and Zabu back, and they're like they're like Brangelina, they're Cambu. <laughs> <laughs> They're now.
1: <laughs> I have to come see you guys. I love this place. <laughs> yes, they're
2: really cute, and they're they're real stars of our of our videos too. You can look look at a lot of our videos of them. But what's interesting, people don't realize, with a uh, a lion, if they are neutered, they will actually lose their mane and their ability to roar. Oh, you're kidding? No, it's a very different. So we, of course, you know, took all this into consideration. We were deciding what to do with Cameron, and decided the best thing would be to give him a vasectomy.
1: There you go. So oh he would be able wow! To
2: keep, keep his mane. Did it work? Uh, I'm sorry. Did it work? Yes, it did work. It did work. It worked for many, many years. They actually um, came to the sanctuary about 10 years ago now, and because when they first got there you know, Cameron being a male line was of course very protective of his girlfriend. And he did not like people coming anywhere near near her. And so she was spayed and he had the vasectomy and it did calm him down and um you know not have him be so anxious for many years until about a year ago. Mm. And um our keepers noticed that he was getting increasingly anxious and annoyed when people would would come around Zabu mm-hmm. and so we you know consulted with our veterinarians and senior keepers and staff and decided that the best thing to do for Cameron would be to go ahead and and neuter him mm-hmm. And it has made the world of difference. He has now completely lost his mane. But if you think about it, he's in Tampa, Florida, where it's like 90 degrees yeah. most of the time. So he's loving
1: it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> he's cooler. And he's happier.
2: Yes, he's very happier. And Zabuka care less. She still loves him.
1: <laughs> That's great.
2: Yes, they're, they're really, really cute together.
1: Wow. So how large is the rescue? Do any cats get to roam around the property?
2: They don't run around the property obviously because they're they're wild. Yeah but um they do have various various uh sizes for example some of our big cats have as much as 3 acres of what they call their their cat attached. oh nice <laughs> right and then like i mentioned earlier something like a sand cat it only weighs a couple pounds they're little tiny cats that are from like the desert mm-hmm. hence the sand cats and so you know they might have a 1200 square foot area the size of a small house but to them it's massive
1: hey that's bigger than my apartment i'll take it
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes 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 Sand cats living in, you know, a bigger spot than you have. So, and one of the things we did last year, which was kind of interesting, with with captive cats or captive animals in general, one of the um, biggest concerns is always boredom. Mm-hmm. Even though they have a nice, you know, two-acre place to run around, let's say, it's the same two acres. Yeah. They need enrichment, mental stimulation. We do that in a, very, a couple of various ways. We have an enrichment committee, so at least twice a week, every single cat, and we have about 102 cats right now, I right. think, they get some form of enrichment. And that can be as simple as putting, um, you know, Spices in a paper bag, or a catnip in a paper bag, and letting them roll around on it. Mm-hmm. Giving them a paper tube. We like to say a cat is a cat is a cat because they're very <laughs> similar to house cats, and that they just love rolling around and you know playing with anything new. Uh-huh. And then um, during the holidays, for example, they get Christmas trees. They get butterball turkeys at Thanksgiving, which of course is their favorite being oh, they carnivores. Must love it. <laughs> yeah, they like they like the Thanksgiving a lot more than Halloween. The pumpkin, they're like, it's a pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I saw one of your videos where they were being given Christmas presents, and I I don't remember if it was a lion. I think it was a lion that ran up and was so excited and, like, grabbed one and dragged it off. And it was really, really cute. And I love that you guys do that because, I mean, the enrichment is so important to keep them healthy, you know. Exactly, exactly. And even someone just walking
2: by, you know, their enclosure is, you know, who's that, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I kind of got off track there. What I was saying earlier, um, something we started last year was what we call a vacation rotation, So now on top of their regular permanent enclosures, each cat goes, right now the big cats, which would be our leopards, um, lions, and tigers, Mm -hmm. they all take turns taking two-week vacations in this um, two-and-a-half-acre special area that we developed.
1: Oh, that's great!
2: It's it's really neat. We built special platforms. There's a pond. Tigers like to swim. I don't know if you knew that. So they get in there and they play around. There's like a like a you know fountain, and they jump around. There's dens so they can hide. Cool. And they just have the best time. It's open air. It's about uh, you know twenty foot high walls wow. Of course they they can't get out but they can see right up their trees they can rub up against and they just have the best time so it's cute now um you know something i always think is funny that i look I'll look online and you know for the volunteers it'll say you know sort of the updates for the day and it'll be like um you know, Nikita is on vacation. I <laughs> <laughs> you know, just always cracks me. I'm like, okay, Nikita's on vacation. Good for her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So,
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. So, do you have a favorite cat?
2: I have a couple favorite cats. I have a favorite tiger, and his name is Bengali Ben for short. Oh, cute! And he is just a doll. He's very friendly. I think he's pretty much a favorite of many, many people, I can't claim him as, as just being mine. Mm-hmm. But uh, when tigers are happy, they, they make this noise, with they kind of puff out their lips. It's called chuffing, uh-huh. and it probably can't do it across the phone. It'll sound weird. But it's kind <laughs> of like, you know. Okay. And so, um, you know, any time you walk by Bengali, he just, he yawns, and he rolls around, and he, you know, chuffs at you and t- almost talks. He's just so cute. Oh, cool. And then um, my other, my other, actually two favorite cats are bobcats. One of them is Mary Ann. She comes from the Gilligan group oh, that came from Kansas. A bobcat named Gill- I mean, uh, Mary Ann. I love it. And when she got here, unlike a lot of our cats who by the time we get them and are able to rescue them, they've been in very... Bad conditions or not gotten proper nutrition for many years. Mm-hmm. They're older. They've got you know joint issues. They might need surgery or some teeth removed. Mary Ann showed up. She was only about you know three years old. So she was really young and full of energy. And um, of course, she you know she was not. Each each one of the cats from Kansas had their own um, you know area, except for Gilligan and Skipper were together, and Thurston Howell the Third and Lovey were together. <laughs> I know, yes, yes. Um, so we had also rescued, previously in 2011, a male bobcat named Max.
1: Hmm.
2: Max came from Rhode Island where it is illegal to have a bobcat as a pet, but um, someone ordered him over the Internet anyway. Whoa. And when the owner took the uh, took Max to the vet, the vet took one look at him and said, this is not a domestic cat, this is a bobcat. It's, you're not allowed to have him here in the state of Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, the owner proceeded to actually have a long, drawn-out legal battle trying to keep Max. But at the end of the day, we said we will rescue Max. We will take him and give him a permanent home. Nice. All of our cats primarily you know, live out the rest of their days at Big Cat Rescue, with one exception. But... Um, so, again, Max was young. He was, like, one years old when he got wow. to us, maybe one and a half. And so he had a lot of energy. So, and Max and Marianne, how cute is that? The little names even, like, really know, go, is. To, go together. So this year on Valentine's Day, we introduced Max and Marianne, and now they are the best cuddle buddy friends Aww. in the world.
1: <laughs>
2: so, and it's, it's, that's a form of mental enrichment for both of them. Because they run around together. They play together. They climb trees. They hide from each other. They, you know, spit at each other. And, you know? <laughs> oh, that's so sweet! Yeah. So, and it's funny because Max is always my favorite, my favorite bobcat because I actually went to Tampa International Airport when he arrived in the uh, in the you know coach seating on Southwest Airlines nice. back in the day, along with our president who who brought him in a big dog carrier because he wasn't that big at the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, he probably only weighed about twenty pounds or so. Wow! But they're they're just adorable. So Max and Marianne would have to be my my other favorite.
1: Oh, they sound lovely. <laughs> so sadly, we're running out of time. However, two last questions for you. The first one is, what are things that our listeners can do to help out big cats and big cat rescue?
2: The number one thing that we try to explain to people when they come on tours, we have educational walking tours throughout the sanctuary most days of the week, is don't pay to touch, hold, pet feed, swim with, or have your picture taken with a cub. It looks adorable, but that 10 minutes that you spend with that cub can equal a lifetime abuse for the animal.
1: Wow,
2: it's, It kind of goes back to what I was saying before. You know, they are only moneymakers for the first few months, yeah. and then a lot of times we don't know what happens to them.
1: Mm. Oh, my God, that's so sad.
2: It, it is sad, and it's, it's something that can easily be stopped. As soon as this Big Cats of Public Safety Protection Act is passed, because not only will it, will it um, you know, phase out the private ownership of these cats, but it would ban the public from having direct contact with a cub. So you couldn't, you know, pay to go to your, you know, Iowa State Fair right. and hold a tiger cub for $25, for example.
1: Right. Wow.
2: Yes, that would be the number one number one thing that people, people can do.
1: Okay, cool. And then you guys are all over the internet. You guys are everywhere. So I would love if you could list your contact info, the app info, all that stuff so everybody can find you and do more research if they'd like to.
2: Oh sure. We have about nine thousand pages on our website. So if somebody like can't sleep well
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Seriously. just go.
2: laughs> You know, bigcatrescue.org, which is easy to remember, and we've got everything on there. There's information on how to visit the cats. There's information on how to get involved, and I don't mean just, you know, donating money, but things as simple as signing up for Amazon Smile, which is the charity arm of Amazon.com. If you you can list any um, charity in there, we pick one charity, and if you pick Big Cat Rescue, a percentage of anything you buy on AmazonSmile.com com goes to Big Cat Rescue. Yeah, that's great. And if you want to donate to a different charity, please do. There's a million on there, and everybody, you know, can benefit. It's a great thing that Amazon's doing. We recycle ink cartridges. There's a million things that people can do, including sign petitions, um, let their U.S. senators and representatives or wildlife commissioners, know about, you know, issues that are going on with cats in the various states. We put out an e-newsletter called The AdvoCat each month, and you can go online and sign up for that. Uh, we also put out a quarterly news, newspaper, which is mailed and also online. If you go to our website and you, you, you hit the news uh, peg across the top, mm-hmm. it'll pop up and it has, you know, years worth of old issues of our newsletters and our Big Cat Times, which is the quarterly publication. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube, as you mentioned earlier. The easiest way to remember our YouTube channel is BigCatTV.com, and uh, really just we're kind of social media mavens, so if you just... Inner Big Cat Rescue on your on your browser. A lot of that will come up. Or go to our website and there's there's a million links. If anybody has any questions about big cats, or if you say, oh wow, you know, I saw some big cats at the you know gas station the other day, and someone was was charging people because, like I said, they'll, these exhibitors will set up anywhere and start charging. Uh, info at bigcatrescue.com is a great email address, and if it pertains to the cats, it'll get to me or if it pertains to anything else, it'll get to the right person and will respond.
1: Awesome. Awesome. I love what you guys do. Thank you so much for talking to oh, us. And thank, thank you, you so much for everything that you guys do and the amount you're educating people and saving these poor big cats and giving them a good life and all that. Um, I hope that law goes through real soon because... Like I said, I'm just gobsmacked that, you know, that this isn't completely illegal everywhere, you know. But, um, yeah. We get that a lot. (laughs) I I, I can only imagine. And as you were talking, you know, through this interview of Kansas, Rhode Island, you know, and all over the place. And it's just like, wow, this really is a national issue. You know, I had no idea. We appreciate
2: you, uh, you know, bringing me on today to talk about this because educating people is the key. People always say I had no idea XYZ was happening with big cats
1: Well I've been researching you guys for about a month Now and I mean I just learned so much That I feel like I didn't research you at all So thank you so much for talking To us Um, Animal Instinct is now on Facebook And thanks to everyone at Big Cat Rescue For doing what you guys do Please keep fighting the fight Thank you Heritage Radio Network for letting me have this show And next week we will be back I will see you then, take care